there was too many people last night to to uh, remember everybody where they're from and stuff. So just real briefly, uh, your name, I guess, where you're from, and profession again. I'm Micah Olson. I'm uh, from Phoenix, and I'm a pediatric endocrinologist. Um, so, I'm Mike. I'm from uh, Tucson. What else was? Uh, just profession. Profession, yeah. I didn't get enough sleep last night. I apologize. <laughs> uh, primary profession, I'm an attorney. John from Phoenix. Uh, I do sales. I'm Joe from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I'm a retired PE Kevin Creston uh, from Glendale, Arizona, here, and I'm um, the financial services business. Ian Ross, live in Tucson, Arizona, and I do sales for Pfizer. I'm Jamie, now from Tucson, and I'm a student. Shane from Coolidge, I work for the state. I'm Greg from Sun City West, which is Northwest Phoenix, and I'm a dental implant surgeon. I'm Scott from Tucson, and I'm a dermatologist. I'm Jay from Scottsdale, and I'm in finance. Skip from San Diego, commercial real estate. Uh, Ryan from Tucson, I come. Let me start by just giving you a personal observation on uh, on purpose. Um, I'm going to talk from the perspective of a guy my age in his 30s, uh, and I grew up in the evangelical church from basically the first week I was born. So I have grown up in a Christian culture and have been as exposed to anybody to uh, the Christian culture, the evangelical culture, uh, at least uh, of America. And um, when I was growing up, thinking of my dad when he was my age, of course he was in that culture as well, and uh, all of his brothers, his uh, just all the a lot of the men I knew were in that culture. And as I've gone from being you know kind of a grade school age kid to my age now, I've seen that generation go from my age mid-30s to 60s, 70s, somewhere in there. And I've noticed that for the vast majority of those guys, they have, uh, probably when they were my age, they sat in conferences similar to this. They sat in church, and uh, and they were as involved in that culture as anybody. And uh, very few of those guys are still living what I would call a, uh, a purposeful Christian life. And some of them may still go to church or you know, be involved somehow with their faith, but for the best I can tell, I'm talking about even, I'll be honest with you, my own father, my own father-in-law, and so many of the guys that, that were so close to me growing up, they have at some point along the way, and it was probably very gradual, slow, they have really derailed and they have stopped living a purposeful Christian life. Uh, and so I think to myself, how in the world am I going to avoid that? And I think, uh, number one, the Bible tells us that to finish is very rare. To finish the race well as a Christian is very rare. Think about, uh, and we don't need to go there now, but in Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul talks about, this is one of the last chapters that he wrote, review it sometime, he, uh, he starts listing guys that uh, used to follow him, and basically the, the sense you get is that he's absolutely been deserted by most people that have walked with him. 
and you get this picture of a guy who's lonely at the end of his life because all the guys that used to walk with him in Christ have, and he says it this way, he says, they deserted me. That uh, illustration, and, and uh, as Craig said last night, he was, Paul is the Christian of all Christians, and if he lived that life and he was alone, an enormous minority at the end of his life, uh, then the same is probably true today. So experientially for me, I've seen that in the generation above mine. Uh, We see it biblically in Paul's life. And then I just, I see in my own soul, my own person, my own characteristics, all the ingredients of a person who will not finish well. And so the, the deck is stacked against me. And probably that same, the same is true for all of us in this room. And uh, so I beg God, how in the world do I avoid that fate? How do I keep walking the race well? Not just today, tomorrow, but till the day I die. And uh, there's obviously a lot involved in that. But really firmly knowing what your purpose is, and not only knowing the purpose, but establishing that purpose in your life proactively, uh, I think is as important uh, to running the race well and finishing the race as anything. So I want to start by just asking you guys, as you observe non-Christians in your life, your neighbors, your coworkers, these people that you're around and all of us, if you're like me, every day of my life is filled with mostly non-believers. What are some of the things, and there's no right answer to this, but as you observe their life and how they uh, go about living their life, what do you think they find to be their purpose? Our neighbor? The non-believing person that you bump up against in your life. Enjoy life. Enjoy, Enjoy life. life. Good life. Be drink and be merry. Okay. Compete being the world. You know, just succeed your job. Make it to the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> they're very, their focus is very short-term. What do you mean? Well, they're worried about tomorrow. They're, you know, their purpose is to get through today, to get through tomorrow, and make it to Friday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they become obsessive on certain things, whether it's obtaining certain things or... If they have certain things, they can always identify them. They're the ones that are always after the new toy. And when they have the new toy, they want everyone to know they have the new toy until they go on to the next. So, like I said, living for short-term. Temporal. Kind of thing, yep. I run into a lot of people that they have a, like a biblical-type purpose, but they're not Christians. That seems to be more scary. Helping people. Yeah. Doing things kind of giving money, reaching out. Yeah. I think that's a good works. Yeah. I see that a lot. It's interesting. I see that a lot too. Uh, people that have, they think of some goodness, and you, you've called it biblical. And uh, I think if we really broke it down, we find it would not be. But I, right. I understand what you mean by it that uh, it's some kind of this, I would call it a humanist. Uh, a viewpoint of I want to do good for others and that's 
very popular today that uh, we have this purpose of whether it's you find it uh, in all kinds of organizations that and a lot of them have a quasi-spiritual, even Christian uh, um, bent to them, but uh, unity and oneness and peace and in poverty and all that kind of stuff is, uh, you see that everywhere. I think a lot of times too, uh, the non-Christian will think that maybe if I do more good than bad, obviously if there is a God, uh, you know, God sent me egg. That, that kind of a thing. I feel my neighbor on my left is kind of like that. Uh, not that I'm judging him, I just kind of see it visually. I, I think one component of people that kind of maybe start to face kind of what you're illustrating here is the sense that we can live the Christian life on our own, in our own strength and with our own ability in, you know, 20... 30 years down the road just getting burnt out, you know, failing time and time again. And, you know, never getting to the place where we really surrender it to Christ and let him carry the weight, live the life for us, and mm-hmm. we kind of go along for the ride. You know. Talk about that some more, too, the burning out part. Uh, I think a lot of people have good intentions, uh, but actually establishing those in their life is uh, they find a, um, kind of di- a disconnect there and it leads to burnout I think um, so let's contrast some of those thoughts uh, and obviously like I said there was no right answer to that there's a lot of uh, a lot of right answers um, but I, I do see going after uh, temporal things that uh, are just cause um, momentary joy momentary uh, um, mirth so to speak, uh, I definitely see the people after uh, peace and ending poverty and all that kind of stuff, and that's the, the church has really grabbed a hold of that. And then I see a lot of people that just don't think about it. Period. Uh, they just go through their life and they um, they just don't give it a second thought uh, what their purpose is. So let's contrast that to what we believe to be a biblical um, purpose, and I would uh, contend to you guys that actually discovering our biblical purpose what all Christians are supposed to what we're supposed to have is not necessarily uh, a huge mystery. Uh, Most of us now could probably give uh, in our own words a pretty good illustration of what what our purpose is. The Bible's fairly clear about it and uh, I'm not going to be this is not rocket science so um, I don't think you'll find anywhere in scripture where it's spelled out completely where there's a verse that says here is the purpose of every Christian is this, 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 and this. Um, but there's definitely some, some various verses that, uh, that speak to our purpose and, um, and we can kind of take a f- some of those and uh, in, in our own words paraphrase what we believe our uh, universal purpose to be. And let me, uh, I'm going to be using, you know, I don't know how many of you guys have read through this book, uh, my this workshop is is very much based uh, on this little booklet. This is a newer version. There was a, an older uh, version that's on the the table here. So I imagine some of you guys have read this already. If you haven't, it's a good thing to uh, to read. Um, and if you've read it, it's a great thing to to reread uh, every once in a while. Um, but uh, a lot of, a lot of what I'll be saying is is based on this. Let me contend that there's there's two kind of purposes that I uh, think about 
in terms of how I live my life. One is just what is my universal purpose as a Christian, and that would be the same for every uh, person that's ever believed in Jesus. That would be our, our universal purpose. And we'll talk about what that might be uh, in our own words in a second. And then secondly, all of us have a unique purpose, and that's how we as individuals have all been given different uh, spiritual gifts. We've been given different um, backgrounds, different family histories, different uh, skills, just different life circumstances, um, and those go into how we individually carry out uh, our uh, the universal purpose. And uh, I think it's one of the most rewarding things in life to figure out how God has created me, especially different than anybody else who's ever lived, and he has a specific calling for me uh, to carry out his universal purpose. And it's my uh, job to go through my life and, and figure out how I can f uh, fulfill that. And I think that's when, when that's our, our goal. That's when we know that we're really uh, fulfilling God's purpose. Let's talk about universal purpose. Just in, in broad terms, tell me, and, and we can go through Bible verses too, what uh, you believe to be the purpose of the Christian. If you could boil it down just to one sentence or two sentences, what would it be? To live in God's will for your life. Love the Lord. I think God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love the neighbors, I saw. Good to have. That was the one that I thought of when I saw the course outline or quickly to sign up for. And being one of the senior members of this group, uh, one that kind of keeps me going is he tells us to fix your eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen, for what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. That one is usually at the top of the gray matter for me. Uh, that keeps me, you know, it's not he who begins a race that wins a prize, but he who finishes mm -hmm. finish the race. Paul tells us to keep it simple. So, mm -hmm. For me, I think of Romans 115. From mm -hmm. out shame to the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed through faith and faith. And um, I feel it's my duty to just share the gospel. The good news. Witness. And then I look at my unique purpose and what I do, my calling. I wouldn't call it my calling, but maybe my gift. And it's um, in finance, at least at this point. And somehow I feel God has given me these abilities and skills to direct that towards the gospel. For example, I met these young kids in uh, Ukraine years ago. And they were living in the sewers. And uh, I thought to myself, at that time, I just ignored them. They didn't much of it. And today, I think of it differently. I just say to myself, how can I take my skills and use that to help these kids? And if I could take these skills, what would I do to help them? Today, the Lord has placed in my heart that with 
what he's given me, my skill sets, my abilities, the financing to create some means to help these children, or at least share with them, the gospel, so that they may have a foundation moving forward, and maybe that they can discover Christ. Thanks. It will, uh, as we discover our own unique gifts, we'll, we'll definitely kind of belabor that point a little bit more as we go forward. Uh, but thanks for that. Um, let me share with you a verse. This is John seventeen four. Jesus says, uh, he's talking to his Father in heaven. He said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So we see two kind of purposes there. One, to glorify God is the end result of his purpose. And two, just that he had a purpose. God had given him a work to do. I think that refers to Jesus' specific purpose, his unique purpose. So Jesus clearly had a purpose, and he knew what his purpose was. And it was his purpose to carry out that purpose, if you will. Uh, And in so doing, he glorified God. And I think the scripture is clear that all of us have a purpose as well. It's different than Jesus' unique purpose, obviously. But one of the awesome things is all of us have a unique purpose that's different than everybody else who's ever lived. So everybody, uh, all the things that you guys shared, uh, I think, are uh, definitely on target. There's no, there's no right answer to the perfect um, way to uh, communicate God's universal purpose. But I think a great exercise is for all of us to, uh, in our own words, paraphrase what we believe God's universal, or, or uh, our universal purpose to be. And so I actually meant to bring some 3x5 index cards. Uh, I think there may be some over here on this. For uh, We might steal some, but uh, I don't know how many there are. But um, at some point during this retreat, if you have some downtime, spend some time thinking about what you believe in your own words, God's universal purpose for us to be. And let me just share a couple more verses with you on the subject. Uh, and some of these are going to be very familiar to you. But um, Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24. When you guys want to open that up and read that. So this verse, Jeremiah contrasts the things that uh, the world is after and all our non-believers are after. And that, in a lot of ways, sums up what we talked about. Uh, our non-believing friends, what they're after, wisdom, power, riches, uh, in essence, is, is what the non-believers after, temporal things, basically. He contrasts that with what we as believers should be after, what the purpose of our life is. And what is it? To know God to understand and know God. And I want to uh, go over that a little bit more uh, as we go on. 
one more verse. Uh, if somebody could look up uh, Romans 8.29. Or if you have it memorized, you can just shout it out. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So, number one, to know God. Number two, to become more Christ-like. And uh, I would suggest as you go over your universal purpose in your own words, those two things would be uh, high on the list incorporating those two thoughts into uh, what our universal purpose is. Another verse, again, very familiar verse for a lot of us, but uh, Matthew 22, it's already been alluded to uh, by uh, one of you guys already, but let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. read that for you. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So essentially, the, the question is, what is the greatest commandment? But you could boil that down to, what is our purpose in life? And Jesus says, number one, to love God. Number two, to love man. And to do it zealously. And so as we think about what does it mean to love God, what do you guys think about that? What does that involve, loving God? It's kind of a nebulous thing if you really think about it. That can mean a lot of different things. Biblically, what does it mean to love God? You have no one. Where would you go? You got to know the Bible. It's where it reveals itself. You can't love somebody if you don't spend time with them to get to know them. Sure. And I, a relationship. Sorry. I, I think of, when you say that, I think of the guy that never heard of the gospel. The guy that <coughs> down in uh, Zimbabwe uh, that was ever printed in, I think it's in Romans uh, one twenty. he says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made, so man is without an excuse. So God has revealed himself to this person through his creation. And I think that's his purpose, is to see God through what God has created even though he hasn't heard of the gospel. Any other thoughts? No, Bingham. Elaborate on that. Um, I think just that's how God defines loving him, is that if you keep his commandments, that's how you love him. Let me give you some verses to illustrate that. That's where I was going next. We got four verses here. I'm just going to assign them to you guys, and then uh, when we're there, we can have you read them. 
John, do you mind getting Second uh, John 6? And then the other three are going to be all in John 14. Joe, do you mind getting uh, John 14, 15? Scott, do you want to get John 14, 21? And Jay, do you want to get uh, John 14, 23? Yeah, go for it. Yep. Second uh, John, verse six, and this is love that we walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. And this is obedience that we walk in His commands. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. And this is love that we walk in His commands. Yes. I'm sorry. And this is love that we walk in His commands. In uh, John fourteen fifteen. But if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. I think those are uh, crystal clear to us that uh, if loving God means anything, it means being obedient to him. And I would suggest that means being obedient to his. Uh, negative commands, things like well, you guys know as well as I do divorce and, and so on and so on, and it's obedience to his positive commands that are found throughout uh, the New Testament, things like evangelism and discipleship um, and, uh, and there's a long list that uh, we're not going to get into today, but it's, uh, it's like Paul on the road to Damascus when uh, he was blinded in, at the day of his conversion. Remember uh, in that story, the first question he had f- for Jesus was, he said, Lord, who are you? And then the second question it was, what do you want me to do for you? So obedience is key as we figure out, well, it's key to loving God and as Jesus said, that was the foremost commandment. That is basically our purpose, is to love God. How do we do that? We obey him. We spend our lives figuring out, how can I obey you? And I think all of that boils down to just, in essence, being his slave. Are we going to be the slave of God? Are we going to go after our own will, which the vast majority of people who have lived on this earth, from Genesis chapter 1, well, maybe chapter 3 onward, uh, to today until when Jesus comes back the vast majority of people are going to go through the uh, not through the narrow gates but through the wide gates and they're going to go after their own will they're going to tell God you can shove it with your commands 
I want to do what's best for me and what I perceive to be in my own best interests. And it's very rare to find the man that says, God, I want to be your slave. Whatever you're going to do to me, whatever you want me to do, no matter what it costs me, no matter how much it hurts, no matter what tests you put me through, I want your will and not my own. And keep coming back to God over and over and over and saying that throughout your life and never, uh, never faltering. It's that man who wants to be God's slave, who wants to be his obedient servant. That's who he's saying. That's how we find purpose. share with you the last two verses of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's a whole book that's basically about the meaning of life. Or, in other words, purpose of life. Our purpose. And uh, he goes through, uh, Solomon does, all the things that are probably uh, temporally good things that, that the world is after. And it just goes over over and over. This is vain. This is vain. This is vain. Wisdom, riches, work. It's all vain. And then his summary at the end of that 12-chapter book, essentially about the meaning of life, the last two verses are basically what he tells us is the meaning of life. Uh, Scott, are you there? Can you read those last two verses? The conclusion, when all has been heard, is... Fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So the conclusion when all is said and done is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. He also said uh, there are really only three things in this life. Eat, drink, be content in what you do, because without the war it was all meaningless vanity, chasing after the wind. Right? Yeah, it's been a while since I've read through the whole book. I, I mean, that was confessed, but at the end of yeah, the- that, yeah. Obviously, to be content and to be grateful for what God has given us, no matter what our lot in this life is. But ultimately, we're here to prepare for the next life, and we do that by fearing Him and obeying His commandments. So I would suggest that it's not necessarily rocket science to figure out what God's universal purpose is. A lot of the men that I described when I opened up, the men in my father's generation who I have observed, uh, just get buried by life, essentially. Uh, Those guys probably could have been easily told you some of the things that we've been talking about, what God's purpose is for us, to know God, to obey him, so on and so on and so on. God's pretty clear about that. That's not a mystery that takes years and years of study to figure out. Just uh, uh, what God's universal purpose for us is pretty clear. But men who are willing to be God's slave, that those men are few and far between. That's the step in all of this. That's the important step. Not so much knowing what God's purpose is, but committing to... the. I want God's purpose for my life. Whatever he throws at me, I'm going to take it. Because there's 
good purpose and nothing else that this world can give me. Any thoughts on that? Going to move to a uh, unique purpose in a minute here, but wanted to see if there were any any comments or thoughts on that. you're illustrating exactly why it's so hard is because it is by faith yeah and that's okay though I mean we do a lot of things by faith don't we I mean he teaches us chair is going to hold you mm-hmm. uh, uh, how much faith do you need yeah now we don't have that much fellas come on now huh that's the minimum requirement he desires Hello. That ain't a whole lot. A grain of a mustard seed? I can't remember who he's talking to. Uh, yeah, and I think it's easy for us to say we're going to be God's slave, but the God, the person who's really going to do that is the purpose who is the person who believes that God's going to make it up to him in the end. That when God says, I've created heaven and it's going to be worth your while, just you've got to trust me on this. You can't see it. Right. You don't know what it looks like, but you've got to trust me on this. If you live the way I want you to live, it's absolutely going to be worth your while. I'm going to make it up to you. Amen. And that's faith. <laughs> you know, that's all that is is faith. We cannot see it. The whole evidence of this life is that that's not actually going to be the case. It's not tangible. Yeah. And we go through our lives, especially in this day and age, in the, the world, and we just constantly hear it, that the Bible is not right, that uh, um, you guys have heard as much as I have. Uh, our faith is attacked, the revelation is attacked, uh, our belief system is attacked, and, and uh, this stuff was written 2,000 years ago. Predicted the return of Jesus two thousand years ago, our, our blessed hope. And in two thousand years, he's not come back, and still we live every day, like you said. We get up, and we, uh, our goal or our, uh, what we're told to do is is every day, take up our cross. And it just seems as time goes on, there would be less and less uh, reason to do that if we don't see the uh, don't see the evidence that he's coming back. That's again. That's exactly why he rewards faith, because it's so hard. That's the way he set it up. 
said, That's, this is how I'm going to reward you if you have faith. So do we believe God's revelation? Or do we believe what the world is telling us, that it's money and power and wisdom and all the rest that's important? And that's the decision that all of us have, and it's a decision that we'll uh, continue to have to make as we go through life. It doesn't get easier. I'm only in my 30s. I'm sure there's guys here that can tell you it's it uh, doesn't get easier. Well, I don't, I, I don't know if I want to use that word easier. Um, because he says, uh, my yoke is what? Easy. Yeah. Easy. And my burden is what? Light. Light. Yeah, duh. See, uh, let's don't make it complicated. I don't think that's, he says, I'm not here to confuse you, fellas. Uh, hello. Come on now. Don't get confused here. This is this is not hard. I didn't make it hard for you. I love you. Uh, follow me. It's okay. In this life you will have tribulation, huh? But be of good cheer. I've overcome it. I've overcome the world. We're overcomers. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. We're not in the world. No, we're in the world, but not of the world, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, joy, huh? Is that one of the fruits of the Spirit? Absolutely. Sure. Heck, man, it's, a, it's a good ride for me. He's given me the desires of my heart. Trust me on that one, guys. I'm old. I'm 67, heading into my 70s. It's getting better. Yeah, because I see his hand on me. That's the good thing about being older. As you're younger, I became a Christian at 33. I smoking dope, snort coke, doing the whole, whole, whole thing, you know. I got a testimony just like half these guys, for yourselves. Sure. But when you see his hand on you, hello, is that fun? Got three great kids, my son over here. Uh, hello, I've walked this. Uh, Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you on this one. Don't know much about it, but here, let's do it. Sure enough, bingo. Uh, success is measured by the end of your life saying that I have no regrets. I can do that. I've got a tattoo that says, this side up. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me uh, switch gears here. Um, on your, uh, oh, you're fine. Uh, on your notes, um, I want you to write something. Again, I meant to bring some index cards to do this, but uh, I think we got some nice notes here on the on the program. Yeah. Write uh, vertically. Uh, you're going to have two columns with uh, three words. The uh, first word on the first column is purpose. Second word is goals, one word down vertically. And the third word down is activities. You kind of have an arrow going down those, those columns. And then the next column over, same words, just uh, opposite order. Go activities. Uh, or you might just do the same order, but the arrow is pointing in the, in the different direction. Either way is good. So activities. Uh, goals and then purpose.
So as we seek to establish our purpose, one, we have to figure out what God's universal purpose is. We've talked about that. And again, I want you to spend some time writing that out in your own words. Two, we spend our time figuring out what our unique purpose is. And that may be a bit harder, and that's something that it takes a lifetime basically to do, but is, I think, extremely important exercise now and as we go forward to think about what my own unique purpose is. And I would suggest it's clear in this room, all of us have vastly different backgrounds, different skills, different spiritual gifts, different uh, uh, occupations, different roles in life. Some of us are dads grandfathers, single, so on and so on, employers, employees, all those things go into your unique uh, uh, purpose. And as we, uh, and I would encourage you to write that down as well. Put it in words. Think about it this weekend, and it's not static, it's uh, something that changes through your life because your roles do change. I think it's a great exercise to actually write down in words what you think to be your unique purpose. So think about those things that God has given you. Think what your spiritual gifts are. Ask your brothers, if you're in an accountability group, ask them, what do you think my spiritual gifts are? So think about all those unique characteristics to you and think what God has called you out to do to fulfill his universal purpose as you seek to know him more, to obey him, to get involved with his program, which is people, evangelizing, discipling, as you seek to uh, fulfill all those things, what does it look like in your life? And what I would suggest to you is start with purpose and have that lead to goals and objectives and have that lead to activities in your life. A lot of people do it the other way around. If you don't think about this, you will do it the other way around. If you don't think about what your purpose is, you will just start with activities. You won't be proactive, and all of us are guilty of this. At some point, you just you kind of go with life, go with its, what's in front of you, and you start with your activities. And then that kind of retrospectively can lead you to think about what your goals are in life and then what your purpose is. But essentially that's letting life define for you what your purpose is. And probably a lot of people do that, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. Yeah? I, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and why this is a great exercise, I think, to, to kind of go through this. Um, And that leads to burnout. That leads to frustration, whether you're Christian or non-Christian. So let's walk through that a little bit more, the way we're supposed to do that. As we think about our unique purpose, and you have to be proactive to do that, Just and the way life is today, we'll talk about it probably more at this retreat, but... There are just so many things that get in our way to not let us think about things, not let us think deeply. When you think about the internet and sports scores and Facebook and music and just the media in our face all the time, we do not let ourselves 
just sit and think deeply about things and people go through the life and they don't think about their purpose so first step is just be proactive and have time for yourself to dwell deeply on what your unique purpose is secondly from that should flow goals in your life so let me give an example just in my own life as an illustration uh, some of the goals are going to be obvious in terms of okay I'm going to go a goal is I'm going to evangelize to this person God's given me this this new coworker who uh, who I have a lot of interaction with every day my goal is to get to know this person more so that I can uh, and, and then eventually share uh, the gospel with them and I'd write that goal out that's a you know obviously that's a great goal as you fulfill uh, or seek to fulfill your purpose. And then the activities flow from that. And uh, as you decide how to allocate the 24 hours of each day that all of us have, you figure uh, you uh, allocate time for, for those goals. Um, for me, right now, I am, uh, I told you earlier, I'm a physician. And each step of the way, we have to take a big test to, to get certified, uh, board certified, we call it. I have one coming up in, in a few months because uh, I just recently finished my training and uh, one of my explicit goals in life right now is to pass that test and obviously that doesn't separate me from any non-Christian every other non-Christian that is taking that test has the same goal but for me how it lines up with my purpose is one I feel like God has called me to do this job and so to do this job I need to pass the test two I want to be credible with all my coworkers, my colleagues who are physicians my colleagues who are uh, you know, support staff, just the people who I work with every day. I want to be credible in their eyes so I have a platform for the gospel. And so for all those reasons, it's important for me to pass that test. It all flows from my purpose. And then uh, the next step is to allocate is my activities. I give myself time every day. Not, maybe not every day, but I, you know, I allocate time to myself to study to pass that test. I'm a husband, so one of my huge roles in life is to try to obey Ephesians 5, to love my wife like Christ loved the church, to sacrifice myself uh, for my wife. And so my goals uh, reflect that, and that should lead to activities in my day that reflect that. So all of us, there's not one guy in this room who we couldn't fill who doesn't have a hard time filling the 24 hours of the day. All of us could use more time. All of us struggle with balancing that 24 hours. And if we don't think through this, you're going to get eaten up by that 24 hours. And all of us go through that. Nobody does this perfectly. All of us find ourselves stressed at times in life and feeling overwhelmed. And that's actually probably the way it should be. Uh, not that we should feel overwhelmed, but none of us are going to find a perfect balance that should lead us to dependency on God. God, I can't do all this that you. I feel like you've called me to do. How am I supposed to balance these things? That should lead us to dependence on God. And God's designed it that way, I think. But if we don't go through that exercise, we're going to find that life around us dictates what our activities are and we're not going to fulfill our purpose you have to start with purpose and have that lead down to activities 
and write them down. Think through these things. Do not be passive with this. If, you be, if you're passive, you're going to find yourself uh, having your activities dictate your life and your purpose. I think one of the verses that really helped me through my career that might help you and yours, for us to be here, being retired, I was a swimming teacher, and I was sharing this with Ryan earlier today, uh, for 28 of those years, but I was a teacher for 31. And uh, some things that we do in life are a little mundane. All of us have something in our daily thing that's mundane. And I was teaching kids how to swim, and uh, beginner swimmers, okay? So I'm gonna have to teach them how to blow bubbles. Exhale through your nose, inhale through your mouth. Exhale through your nose, okay? Well, you do that for 28 years, that's hard. But the verse that really helped me get through this every day was in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. If you can memorize it, and you get in that situation, and it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, is working for the Lord, and not for man, because it's the Lord Christ you're serving. Before I would do that, I would grab a hold of that verse, and uh, go out there and give it my best shot. And that helped me immensely. For 25 years, that helped me. Because that's hard to do. You know, uh, that kind of situation. But that verse stuck for a long time. Colossians 3, 23, and 24. For all of us, I think our work will bump up against us. We'll find ourselves uh, just, I think that's the way God said that from the curse forward, is uh, we're going to struggle with work. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't think our jobs are great and don't enjoy them, but we're going to just... We're going to struggle at times, and uh, God tells us in Colossians 3 that uh, do this for me, don't do it for anybody else. Amen. How much time do we have? Are we? Is it? It's 10. I got 10. 10.25. So about, okay. We definitely don't need to go the whole time, but. uh, Definitely have to. uh, a verse that you're all probably quite familiar with as well. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians you know, 9.24, just talking about the, you know, what is the end goal, you know, to go after that prize. And, you know, it, it suddenly came home to me as you're talking about purpose, goals, and activities, just this notion of strict training, you know, to, to create purpose and to have goals and to then define your activities requires us to have strict training. You know, if, if all we have is 24 hours in the day, uh, we need to be we need to be diligent and vigilant as to what's going to chew up that time. You know, um, I I think I mentioned as I was standing up last night, I got too many irons in the fire, and now you know as I'm sitting here thinking about purpose, I'm thinking how can I how can I pull <laughs> some of those irons back out? How can I reclaim uh, my time? You know, to to devote uh, you know, to Perhaps a greater purpose. You know, it's really, uh, it, it's really easy to to go down the path. Even even if even if I'm not after worldly gain, that still can be the end result of, of what you're pursuing. You know, I'm, I'm seeking success to do something and do it well, but it's still in the end is is grabbing your time. 
and uh, you know, I every day I walk out that door, I'm thinking, how much of my time is being robbed from my relationship with my daughter? How much time? Uh, you know, I used to, <laughs> I used to think about this. Uh, you know, I'm a bike rider, and I'd go weeks where, you know, for me, you know, six eight hours on the bike was for a lot of guys that wasn't that much. Six eight hours was you know a fair bit for me, and and then I thought. You know, have I ever devoted six to eight straight hours just studying the word? You know, what 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 would that look like? You know, and, and uh, or pull away an extra. You know, that's an, that's an extra hour out of your day that you can pull away if you could just cut off your uh, your work and say I'm going to get everything else done in that time period. And and I'm really uh, God's put that on my heart for a while every time. <laughs> Every time I'm on my bike, I'm thinking about this is an hour that could be spent somewhere else. You know, sometimes I can dovetail that. I can actually pray uh, while I'm riding. I can ponder uh, things. But uh, you know, the, the, this notion of strict training. You know, we're we're after uh, the crown that's going to last forever. And that actually leads perfectly to what I just wanted to wrap up with. I'm, was, uh, I'm a guy of segue. I just create. <laughs> I create the segue. Um, the, think of think of uh, a pie chart of twenty four hour your twenty four hour day, and uh, all of us have God has commanded a lot of things for us to do that take time. So all of us have to work Colossians chapter three. All of us have to rest. That's uh, obvious. All of us have to spend time with uh, if you're married with your wife if you have kids with your kids. Uh, all of us have to spend time in scripture, prayer, uh, and you could create a, a longer list than that exercise. Um, and uh, all of us have 24 hours in a day to divide up all those activities. And all of those are things, there's not necessarily one of those things that's more important than another. All those things are commanded. And, uh, and obviously it's up to each one of us to get before God to f- figure out how he wants us to spend our time but as we do that, uh, this practice of purpose drives activities. Drive, I'm sorry, purpose drives goals, drives activities. Will help you immensely as you try to divide up those that, those 24 hours and figure out what your pie chart looks like for those 24 hours. And uh, you will end up saying no to a lot of things if you have that in focus, and that's that's a good thing. Since I've been uh, been back in Phoenix for a year now. Phoenix is home, but I was away in Dallas for a few years uh, in my training. And since I've been back, I've had lots of offers for uh, to go on mission trips or to do charity work or to do this and that with my time. And I've said no to so many things, and it's because of this. It starts with purpose. If, uh, if it, something may sound great and it may be uh, a, a godly thing for somebody else to do it may be obedience for someone else but for me uh it just it didn't line up with my purpose and my goals and so i didn't do it and i don't you know all of us have those decisions and i don't know if i was right but uh a lot of those things initially sounded attractive and i think uh if i didn't have my purpose kind of really firmly uh in focus i would have said yes there's very rarely any downside to saying no to those sorts of things, to, to anything in life. When people ask you to do things, there's very rarely any downside to saying no. I'm 
like to just piggyback on that and add a word of caution to myself and maybe some of you. I'm, I'm a goal setter too. Yeah. I like the purpose out of that flow of the goals, flow of the activities. But I, I find that we need to hold it loosely and it's almost like we need to, you know, God knows what our day is going to look like. We come to him at the beginning of the day, Lord, this is what I I see that you would have me do today, but you know, help me, help me hold so I don't cut off short with people and I, I'm not unwilling to spend time, whether it's our kids, our wife, or a co-worker, or whatever, or somebody on the street that we meet. So we just, and I tend to be a little too rigid in it, so that's why I say I'm the fingers yeah. pointing back here, yeah. that we got a hold of this, because the Holy Spirit knows we want Him to be living His life through us, we want Him to direct our day, ultimately, and so the planning is good. Otherwise, like you said, our default will be activity first. That will be our automatic default. Yeah. And if we don't, if we don't set our purpose and our goals for, but we need to hold it. So. Sure, that's no, good. That's great. Any other thoughts, guys? Well, uh, try to spend some time this weekend writing that out on uh, on your notebook or something. But two things: your universal purpose in, in your own language, and then your own unique purpose. And that unique one will change as life goes on. But uh, definitely encourage you to spend some time and actually literally write it out. Cool. Skip. You mind uh, closing us in prayer? for this, uh, this time this, this morning here and uh, an opportunity to look at your word and, and also, Lord, just to, to take a look at, at uh, your purpose for our life. We don't establish that, Lord, but the world will establish it for us and we'll be squeezed into the mold. And so I thank you for this time. Thank you for the principles, the thoughts. Pray that each one of us would take back our notes and think on these things and see how you would have us apply them to our lives. Help us become better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better co-workers. And Lord, that uh, most importantly, that we would be children of yours that are, that are your obedient servants to, to walk out our pilgrimage journey in this life in close fellowship with you. Thank you for each guy here. And I just pray for your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.